It's time for Mornings with Mike on 830 WEEU, the voice of Berks and Beyond. Hey, who wants to have some fun? Featuring Mike Keller and Bob McCool. A guaranteed disaster. Now, here's Mike. Let me talk to you. All right. Good morning. And welcome, welcome, uh, welcome to this Thursday, February 29th, a date which I learned yesterday does not exist for a lot of companies. Companies? Yeah, there's companies out there. We'll get to this in a lot more with Leap Year and Leap Day in a little bit. But there are companies that when you fill out forms on their website, (laughs) if your birthday's February 29th, they will not accept it. You have to put it in as you cannot the, work here. Sorry. You either have to put it in as the 28th or the first. Now it could be, I'm sure it's with employment stuff, but also just like anything online where you fill out a form online. The date doesn't exist. The date doesn't exist because every three years right. it doesn't. <laughs> exactly correct. For three years in a row it doesn't, and then all of a sudden it pops up and there it is. So well, that's interesting. Welcome to a day that, you know, <laughs> might not be really happening. Here on this 830 WEEU, the voice of Burks and beyond. Some might call it a nightmare. <laughs> all right, phone numbers if you want to get involved, 610-374-8800. Email, that's mike at 830weeu.com. And you can always send us a text message, 267-422-2830. That's 267-422-2830. Lots of stuff to do today. Giveaway-wise, we have your chance to win a $25 bundle of Lucky Leprechaun PA Lottery scratch-off tickets, so keep listening for your chance to win that. We'll do that sometime before we get out of here at 9 a.m. Coming up tomorrow, we've got a Chick-fil-A gift bag giveaway for you. Thanks to our friend Scott Kaiser over at Chick-fil-A at Broadcasting Square. And we'll have that for you tomorrow with some more Chick-fil-A trivia, which once again was supplied by Scott and the good folks at Chick-fil-A and he asked me if I thought it was too difficult and I was like I thought last week's was too hard <laughs> and we got a first-hand answer yeah not yeah. only was the person correct but he lived it if you weren't listening last Friday we asked where was the first Chick-fil-A in Pennsylvania opened and that answer was Exton Square Mall, to be exact. We would have accepted Exton. (laughs) And the caller who won said not only does he know the answer, but he was at the Chick-fil-A the week it opened. (laughs) Either the second or third day, he said. It could have been the first day, but he doesn't think so. But he was there opening week of that Chick-fil-A. So I don't know what the chances of that happening were. But man, oh man, I was blown out of the water when that took place. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah. I mean, again, that's that's living history. It's yep. living Chick Fil A history. Living Chick Fil A history. Ah, uh, so we'll do that tomorrow. Coming up today at eight oh five this morning. Looking forward to this from the United States Golf Association. Their comms director Julia Pine is going to be with us to talk to us about the U.S. Women's Open that's coming to Lancaster Country Club the last day, a couple days of May and the first couple days of June. So we'll find out what does it take to bring a national championship to a local golf course, Lancaster Country Club, obviously very familiar with that. They held the Senior Open not too long ago, and then just a handful of years ago, the Women's Open was there. And I believe you told me there was another tournament that was there that you got reminded of from the man, him speaking of living history, yes, the great Jack Holcomb. Absolutely correct. I mean, I got an email yesterday from Jack Holcomb 
uh, reminding me or if asking if I remembered, and I did not. I, I do remember that the U.S. Women's was Open was, was held here in Reading. Kind of forgot about it. But, again, the Living History Museum that is Jack Holcomb said that the U.S. Women's Open was played at Maselum Springs in 1968. Of course, Maselum Springs Golf Club, which is in Fleetwood, mm-hmm. held the United U.S. Women's Open in 1968. And Jack said he was there and doing a live broadcast from that tournament and interviewing a number of the golfers. I went on last night and found some history of that tournament in 1968, won by Susie Maxwell. Okay. Uh, and there was a couple of Hall of Famers who were in that tournament. And we can talk about that at some point in time. But uh, I thought it was, I, I, again, really cool that, that not only was it here and some great players were here uh, and playing in the U.S. Women's Open in 1968, but our own Jack Holcomb, who did a lot of sports before yeah, he, he became a bird guy, uh, he he was there and doing, he said, a live broadcast and interviewing a, a number of the golfers in 1968. That's very cool, and it was great to hear, and it was a great reminder for you. Yeah. I, obviously, before my time, right. I had not looked to see how many U.S. Women's Opens have been held in Pennsylvania, but that's something we can bring up to Julie as well. Right. This area does have a history correct. of hosting the Women's National Championship. Yes, absolutely correct. And, then of course, uh, eventually, Betsy King, our own Betsy King, who became a, a, a Golf Hall of Famer, who was no doubt probably a, in junior high at that point in time. Who was on this show, I believe, last year. Okay. In 2023. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and obviously, she's uh, Betsy lives in Arizona now, but she still comes back to Berks County a, a number of times. Uh, she spoke at the Berks County Hall of Fame scholarship dinner with the, with the, with the kids who got scholarships through the Berks County Hall of Fame this past June and did, did a tremendous job. Uh, she still obviously is very tied to this community, and she brought the, PG, the LPGA to Berks County mm-hmm. for a number of years in her own golf tournament uh, a few years ago, which was, which was pretty cool at the Berkeley Country Club, yep. correct? Which I used to go to with my dad yeah. every single year. If you dig down into one of our chests that we have in our uh, bedroom uh, of my house there, my wife and my bedroom, you go in there and start digging down, you'll find at least two or three Betsy King classic uh, pieces of apparel <laughs> that are down there. I know right. for sure I've got a, a maroon windbreaker, which, <laughs> look, back then, <laughs> looks great. Now it could be referred to only as ugly. It wasn't like, a members only, Jack. No, it was not. But it was it was a windbreaker. It was it was maroon and it had like yellow trimming. I'm like, I thought this was the coolest thing in the world. And I saw like a hundred of them at right. the course that day. Right. So I wasn't the only one. It's at the bottom of my chest. And I have another one that's just a red sweatshirt that I still break out on occasion. But yeah, we used to go to that every year. And look, you go watch the men's golf and you you can see the power that they have and they hit the ball so much further than us mere mortals ever could hope to hit it. You go to watch the women's game. They're obviously levels above, so many levels above what we do as amateur golfers. But if you go and watch it in person, it's a game that's much easier to understand as an amateur golfer than what the male pros do. They, the ball speed is about, is much more They're They're higher, but it's much closer. Right. And the club head speed is much closer and their distances are much closer. They hit it further, but it's a much closer game to what we play on a regular basis as amateurs than what we watch on TV week in week. Yeah. The other thing I saw last night, which I thought was really cool was uh, again, just looking into the 1968 U S women's open, but I found a, a video, clip of a piece of the television coverage of that tournament and so it was kind of cool to see them playing the holes at yeah. New Springs they've had a chance to play on that course a we couple of times together yeah. correct uh, and so it was kind of cool to see them play a couple of holes uh, and some 
people who are part of broadcasting history, from at least my perspective, I think it was Bill Fleming, who was an announcer in ABC and Wild World of Sports and from the 60s into the 70s was, was there, with Byron Nelson, who was the main color analyst. And, of course, Byron Nelson has yeah. some ties to Berks County. He was the pro at the Reading Country Club at one, once upon a time and obviously one of the greats all time of golf. But uh, So it's kind of cool to see them play in some of the holes and, again, in the, in the attire of the late 1960s. A little bit different yes. than you'll see in yeah. Lancaster County coming up here in a couple months when the U.S. Women's Open yeah. brings the 2024 championship to the Lancaster Country Club. So, But I would agree with you, though, just watching some of the Betsy King stuff. Yeah. It is. It's, it, it, it just feels like it's a little bit more relatable to us as, That's a as better golfers yep. um, than watching the men's tour, which is just at a whole nother level. That's not, I'm not de- downgrading no, women's golf. It's just all. that it they play it a little closer to us mortals. They're still way better than yeah. we are, but they play it at a level that we can relate to a little bit more. I actually found myself at that tournament kind of watching them play when they got in trouble. Like, you know, they hit it down a fairway, yep. they hit it on a green, they make a putt. Uh, okay, that'd be nice. But I wanted to see them hit it like when somebody got in trouble, like how they got out of trouble, because that becomes even more relatable yep. to what you're trying to do when you're playing. Since we spend most of our time in the woods, it's nice to <laughs> well, see the on occasion when they get in there that they know what to do and they can maybe teach us a few things right. on what to do. Yeah, it's not diminishing no. the female uh, golf. It's just that we yeah. can't hit it as far no. as the actual men can. No, and you, you can learn a lot. Basically, we go out there, we try to hit the ball as hard as we can, we overpower it. Correct. You watch, they're so silky smooth, the most of them, mm-hmm. and it looks effortless, and they let the club and the equipment do the work, and that's another thing us amateur golf golfers could learn a lot about. <laughs> Correct. What I also saw is I was reading some, because I also found an article from the, from the Reading Eagle from the coverage. And it's, I will tell you that in today's world, it's very sexist in, in how they refer to uh-huh. some of the golfers. But again, it was a different time. But I, what I found interesting was the quotes from some of the golfers and talking about the course and talking about how, you know, they felt like they should have played better, that the course wasn't I want to say what they didn't say it wasn't necessarily difficult, but that they were frustrated with their putting. And if you've ever played at Maselum Springs, those greens to me are wickedly brutal. Yeah. And they kind of felt like, you know, it wasn't, they they should have scored better because it wasn't that hard. And I'm thinking, again, that's when you realize the separation between literally the pros. And the average. So there's still eons above Correct. what we Absolutely. could ever be, yes. but it's yes. just more used relatable. Right. That's a much better word than right. what I was using. It's much more relatable when you watch it. You go, oh, it kind of a little right. bit looks Yeah, because l- I'd probably be hitting from around that area myself. Yes. If we're if we if, if I we really right. if I really got a hold of one. <laughs> if I chances are I'll be forty yards behind them. But if I really got a hold right. of one, maybe I could keep up. But yeah, it should be great. Julia Pine will be with us at eight oh five this morning. Again, she's the USJ comms director as we talk a little US women's open we'll be having more guests on from the usga as the weeks and months progress here as we get closer and closer to the t's being put in the ground for that national championship here in our region just down 222 in lancaster county coming up at the bottom of the hour we'll have your results for yesterday's which one wednesday favorite brand of peanut butter it was jiff versus skiffy versus peter pan I've got your percentages. I'll let you know the results. I'll let you know which brand of peanut butter reigns supreme here in Berks County coming up after the bottom of the hour. But I do have to tell you that I Bob, Bob McCool always impresses me, but he really <laughs> impressed me this morning. I walked into our little uh, office in the back there, and he was trying to open a box of creamer. <laughs> and it was one of those cardboard boxes 
that sealed it. I'm going to guess I didn't get a good look, but it looked like it had a perforated area. Yes, absolutely. Just you, peel this right back. Where you can open it up and then maybe it seals then right. too or a little flap goes into a right. slot and then it's safe and nothing can spill out, right? right. Is that what you're trying to maneuver with Correct. there? We've all used these boxes <laughs> and these bags that say tear here, right. rip here, push there, pull it there. <laughs> and most of the time, it does not work, at least for me. Correct. I know there are some people who are Everything to, is childproof. It really is. Like, I, my example is like a 12-pack of soda. Right. Like, you're supposed... They're fridge packs. You're supposed to be able to take the top, push the little button down, and pull it off, and it just opens up so the soda's just sitting there, and it's like a store shelf where they, like, roll towards you right. every time Correct. one gets taken out. Yeah, that never works. <laughs> that never works. And I don't know. Maybe I don't have the patience for it, and I have to say, you're back there, and you're basically... <laughs> on that box over and over again. Now you're getting frustrated. Yes, I was from a vocal because standpoint. I'm such a patient individual. But vocally, you were like, I, 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 I can't believe I. That's pretty good. And then, but you kept trying. You kept right. trying. I would have ripped it right about a minute before you even opened. It. <laughs> Two minutes. He's fighting with this thing. Eventually, he gets it. I got it. Pulls it back, and I guess everything is as it should be. Yes. But I was marveling <laughs> at your patience because I would have ripped that box. I would have got a freezer bag and just poured all those things into a freezer bag. That happens more than not when I get frustrated. Well, with the I did for a moment grab something to jab at it to open it. Yeah, but I grabbed what I grabbed was that that my headphones and the jack for my headphones. And I remember that these are your headphones. I was, and I was thinking that too. I thought, nah, better not do that. I was that did pop into my brain when I was watching you right. do that. I was like, oh, I don't think it'll hurt anything. Right. So I quickly I quickly dismissed that idea and went back to back back to scratching and clawing. That's all right, but I'm glad you got them open. And like I said, perseverance, patience was really on display there. And I would have I, I can't tell you how many times i've tried to open a box of yes. cereal or um <laughs> just like any uh, the dunkin donuts k cups come and yes. that thing might as well be glued down with like heavy duty construction glue <laughs> because you got to rip that thing. right it takes that, everything i got right and it's i mean it's supposed to be just you know tear it at the perforation yeah but you got to get to the perforation before you can tear at the perforation. That's the dilemma. All perf- I, perforated lines are the biggest scam going. <laughs> None of them work. It's all it's nice. It's all it's good for the customer. None of them work. Perforated no. lines rip here. Give all me of a that scissors. Stuff. That's right. Just let me tear it and rip it and punch it, and everything will be a lot better. <laughs> all right. One more thing to remind you of. We got some high school hoops for you this afternoon, Bob. You and Rich Garcella heading on out to the Giants Center for a Why I'm Missing Spartans District three girls 4A championship matchup. Yes, actually, it should be a great basketball game. Without a doubt, the two best teams in girls class 4A, they were last year. It's a rematch of last year, and a lot of the same parties are returning. It's unusual in, in high school basketball. I've said this before, and I'll say it again, that high school gra- that graduation is a great equalizer in high school sports because kids graduate, they move on to play at another level, or they just move on to go to college or, or, or go on with life. And so you have to, it's always a rebuild. But in this particular case, DeLone Catholic, who well, I'm missing beat last year, 35-30 for the district championship, has everyone back. They had no seniors on their roster last year, so wow. they are completely back intact. And why missing is significantly back intact. They did lose a couple of pieces, but they obviously have the main cogs that they had from a season ago, and they are 27-0. and The Lone Catholic is 22-2. and It should be a really good basketball game. I think both teams are better this year offensively than they were last year which is one of the reasons why it was 35-30. It was also played last year at 11 a.m. on a Thursday. 
which certainly impacts your ability to play because yeah. you're not used to playing at 11 a.m. on a Thursday in an empty arena because, you know, kids have to go to school. Last year was just a really – I'll be very honest because it really ticked me off last year. It was a disaster in the part of District 3. They want to play their games at the Giant Center. And to be f- very frank, Giant Center really isn't all that interested in hosting those basketball games. And they had Hershey Bears games. And so they gave them two days. And so they had to cram 12 basketball games into, into two, two days. days. And so you had six games a day, the first one starting at 11 a.m. And, you know, those girls all um, – doesn't matter, girls or boys, it doesn't matter – they should be in school, obviously. And their, their fellow classmates, all their friends are in school. So, they, I mean, the school's not going to shut down. Parents are at work. Correct. So, it was, an, it was a very, very empty arena. Sure, some people were able to get there. But none of their friends could go and watch the game because they had to go to school. I mean, they're gonna, again, they're not going to shut down the school and bust all the kids to Hershey to watch a basketball game on a Thursday. They can't do it. So, the one good thing another, uh, about this is that at least at 4.30 in the afternoon, it is a little bit more accustomed. So I would think that from that reason alone, there'll be more offense. But I also think the teams are a little bit more experienced, a little bit better, a little bit better offensively. So I think there'll be a little bit more points scored. But they are both teams who are very good defensively as well. So it, it should be a really good game. Looking forward to it a lot. Pre-game show at 4.15 this afternoon, as Bob mentioned. It is a 4.30 tip. Bob McCool, Rich Scarcella bringing you all the action right here. Now back to Mike Keller and Bob McCool on 8.30 WEEU, the voice of Burks and beyond. I don't know, Monster Mike. I'd argue with you about the flu thing. <laughs> Welcome back. 610-374-8800. Email mike at 830weeu.com. And you can always text us, 267-422-2830. Lots of stuff to get into today. Coming up here in mere seconds, we're going to have your Which One Wednesday results from yesterday. I'm so excited to find the results. Oh. I mean, I know who's going to – I'm sure who's going to win, but I'm just curious – because we had a late sur- skippy surge we yesterday did. at the we end did. of the show. Do you want to see just how far that surge pushed it? <laughs> well, I will tell you, they may have gained some ground, but we'll get there those results coming up here in just a bit. Also, a couple of things we do need to talk to today, uh, talk about today. Wendy's, after uh, all of the fallout <laughs> from their original statement, have come out. They were listening. And they are trying to. Let's be honest. They were listening. They're trying to work their way around some language now. <laughs> and they're going to the dictionary for definitions for what they said. They should get Delco Mike. So, he's a good he's a, he's a words guy. He is. He's, a, he's more of a thesaurus than a dictionary. <laughs> uh, but we're going to. I'll read to you their quotes originally. And then I'll read to you where they say we're taking things out of context in some way, shape, or form. That's always the out. And then oh, I, will, I was taking out of context. I will read to you the definitions that they are throwing out there. That <laughs> I don't know. In my mind, they mean the exact same thing. Uh-huh. So we'll get to that coming up. Uh-huh. And uh, some sad news yesterday. This is one of the uh, first guys that I really was aware of as a comedian. And he was big when I was a kid. And you'd see him pop up on some TV shows and stuff. And I used to love him in... Robin Hood Men in Tights, where he played Prince John. That was really one of my first introductions to him, Dave Chappelle, and all those guys. That was my first Mel Brooks movie ever. 
because that in my age group, that was the one that came out and that introduced me to Young Frankenstein and Spaceballs and all the other great Mel Brooks stuff that's out there. So obviously we're talking about the uh, death of Richard Lewis, who right. had a struggling life uh, and turned that into a career. Yeah. And um, a couple years ago was diagnosed with Parkinson's uh, and passed away on Monday. I believe it's 76 uh, from a heart attack. So very. Is that what sad it was? I did not. I didn't hear what the, what the ultimate culprit heard, was. Yeah. But yeah, I know he's had a ton of health problems over the course of time. But mm-hmm. you're right. He was the kind of guy who turned being miserable into yeah. a career. I mean, he just he kind of used that to his humor, and that was kind of his style of humor. But he was pretty. He was a very funny guy. Very funny. A great writer. And also, and if you listen to me, I do, like obviously he's much better at it than I am. But the self-deprecation that Correct. he did, right? Um, I'm always been attracted to that form right. of comedy, for lack right. of a better term, and uh, I just really appreciated that. Right. And anytime you're willing to make fun of yourself, Correct. I feel like that kind of opens you up to make fun of everything else. Because right. that means literally everything can be a target when you're trying to have a good. Correct. Time. And and I mean even like some of the some of the guys who were comedians who kind of took shots at people let's I mean obviously the most notorious is a is a Don Rickles but he would also be condescending knock himself as well so you're right because if if you're the kind of comedian who can make fun of yourself and I've told you Mike Keller this a lot over the course of your time here that you're very good at that self-deprecating it's it's an endearing quality to a to the listeners but you, it opens you up then to be able to kind of make fun of other people because you make fun of yourself. Where if you're just the kind of guy who just makes fun of everybody else, yeah. well, that's kind of more like a bully. That's great point. Great point. Yeah, it was a heart attack and uh, very, very sad. But we'll, we'll get into some stuff and we'll read some statements. I thought Larry David, who obviously worked with him on Curb Your Enthusiasm, where they were, they've been buddies. And one of the things that I always found fascinating about that relationship they were born a few days apart in the exact same hospital. And there's a lot of similarities in oh. in, in, the, in the two guys. I mean, uh, Larry David's very much like – I mean, Larry David is kind of what Richard Lewis's comedy was. And, you know, that's kind of what Larry David was as well. Yeah. and uh, He's the, George Costanza. The fact that they were linked so early on in their right. lives from Correct. being born in the exact that's same amazing. hospital. And then they became friends early on. So – his basic statement was, I don't remember a day where Richard Lewis wasn't a part yeah, of my life. Right. And, you know, uh, he, uh, he was just very upset, obviously. Yeah, sure. So we'll, we'll read uh, some of that stuff, and we'll get into that coming up a little bit later on. Right now, though, let's turn our attention to our Which One Wednesday results. Yesterday, we asked the question, which of these peanut butter brands is your favorite? Do you prefer? And we had three of the four top sellers. The only reason we had three of the four top sellers was because the fourth top seller was store brand generic. Right. But and it's actually number three, it's though. Three. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's the third. It's Peter amazing. Pan was in fourth. So I didn't know how to put generic up there. <laughs> uh, and from the comments, I'm starting to wonder if everyone's just buying generic peanut butter for their dogs. <laughs> That's kind of the comment right. that I'm seeing the most. There are some people who say they just really like it, but right. there are some people who are saying, oh, my dog loves it. I get gif for me and this for my dog. So well, I don't know. I can understand that, I suppose. But the results. I don't know if, you know, if your dog is a, a choosy peanut butter type. Something tells me no. if you spend as much time around butts as dogs do. <laughs> and toilets. Yeah, you don't really care. If you're willing to drink out of a toilet, yeah. I don't think you're going to choose a specific peanut butter brand. Generic name brand. It doesn't matter. Um, anyway. <laughs> Anyways, organic. The, the organic. results are in. <laughs> Everything with the dog's organic. <laughs> the results are in. Getting 3% of the vote and finishing in last place 
is Peter, Peter Pan. Pan. Yes. And that means coming in second, mm-hmm. receiving 37% of the vote wow. is Skippy. That was a late surge. And your overall champion with 60% of the vote is none other than Jif, the number one selling um, peanut butter brand in the country. And also now... So our listening audience is right in line with overall sales of peanut butter. Very apropos. Maybe we should have threw generic in there. We should have done four just to see if it would have fallen in the Jif, Skippy, generic, Peter Pan order like it does nationwide. And it actually shocks me that we have the same results as the nation because I do find a lot of times when you see these results that are nationwide or worldwide results and then we do the same type of poll here in Berks County, we tend to be a little different. <laughs> we tend to be a little bit off the rest of the planet and the country Thus, as far the as the Pennsylvania which way they go. man games <laughs> became he's becoming closer to a reality. So uh, it was very kind of uh, a, a little shocking that we kind of followed the exact same line of thinking as the rest of the country. When but it wasn't our voting vote. early on at like 75% yeah. GIF? Yes. So it was a late Skippy surge. We learned that the Skippy uh, <laughs> eaters are, are people who like to sleep in. Right. Yeah. So they're not early risers. <laughs> I don't know if that has anything to do with the Skippy. Maybe they were out shopping. I don't know if there's tryptophan in it, like turkey. I don't know what the deal is. That's a good question. But they are a so little we, drowsy. We have a lot more questions that we need to get answered the next time we go shopping at the peanut butter aisle. I mean, we had several questions yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, planters peanut butter is it is it on the aisle? Yeah. Is it on the shelves? We there? don't know. Flavored uh, peanut butter, correct? Some of the flavored peanut butter. Some of the suggestions that were sent to us in terms of what some of the great, some of the other peanut butters are out there besides the main brands. There's some organic yeah. ones that yeah. were sent that it's people take are like, longer at a grocery store. I'm not yeah. happy about that. Well, I tell you what, if any stirring is involved, <laughs> I am out. Yes, I am. O- I agree with that. U T out. Yeah, not doing no. it. Not handling it. Not being a part of it. But thank you to everybody <laughs> who voted yesterday. It was uh, our biggest result thus far since coming back to the uh, station. So that was a lot of fun to see all those people voting. And it just proves, uh, and I've caught in heat for this in the past, uh, we did a stretch there where it was a lot of food-related, which one Wednesdays in a row, and I got complaint emails. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing food all the time? <laughs> Can't we do no, – that's where you people vote. It's the power of the people. Yeah. I follow your lead, <laughs> listeners. You guys lead me into more food stuff, and we will do more food stuff. I think we have a uh, food one that is ready and loaded for next week that we were thinking about doing this week, but uh-huh. I kind of changed my uh, direction and went with the peanut butter route. So, okay. Because actually, before I let you go, yesterday, uh, tomorrow is uh, National Peanut Butter Lovers Day. Right, which, which was the, the genesis of yes. this poll. Exactly. Right. So, and um, it's you know postponed by a day because... Leap, yeah, it would have been today on our <laughs> exactly. results day, which Correct. would have worked out a lot better. Correct. Stupid leap day. Stupid. <laughs> well, we could day. have been one of those companies who just ignored it. <laughs> but the- like, so, what, so what do you do? Okay. If you're a company that ignores leap day, when leap day actually happens, you let everybody go home? I mean, don't, I don't, nobody has to work? I think they ignore it from a form-filling uh-huh. out standpoint. Okay. I don't think – I'm pretty sure all those employees <laughs> they are still have to go to work on that to day. show Correct. up to work today. You, don't get, a, you yeah. don't get an extra vacation day once every four years. No, you do not. No, you we're do just not. shutting down because we don't believe in it. Uh, leap day, I don't think it really exists, so we're going to. <laughs> it's like my sister. Have you, have you ever heard anyone you – care about or respect tell you a conspiracy theory that makes you think a little bit less of them (laughs) um i'd have that that's a question that i can't think of anything off the top of my head i'd have to go a little deeper i don't know that i do because my sister once told me and she stands by this (laughs) that she doesn't think seahorses are real (laughs) 
I don't know how to have that conversation. I'm like, you've been to aquariums, right? You've seen them up close and personal. She said, well, those could just be animatronics and aquariums. And if you are so certain that the entire world is lying to you about one thing. Correct. Seahorses. Right. Like, that's where you're, that's the hill you're going to die on. Moon landings. Everything, that's real. Everything else is real. Correct. But seahorses Seahorses. are real. That's what you're going to focus on. So is there, like, did a seahorse once bite her is there is there is there she have a bad dream once about a seahorse that there's some reason that she has an anti-seahorse mindset she told me a few years ago and that was the first i ever heard her mention seahorses in our entire childhood i don't remember did you have that conversation with your parents does anything ever happen to her with a seahorse i don't i don't think so i just hope she's adopted that's all (laughs) that's all there's that you know i've had that thought many times all right quick uh, (laughs) not gonna lie quick thing here 610-374-8800 Email that's Mike at 830weeu.com and you can text us 267-422-2830. We need to deep, deep dive deeper into that. I, I For have, two reasons. Because I want to know and two, because it's going to drive you nuts. It's uh, <laughs> I just don't understand it. And I, I look at her sometimes it's like, I don't get where you're coming from with this and I feel bad for your daughter. Um, anyways, this out of Tampa, Florida. And this is a perfect story for this show. I'm just going to read it. A man was accused of breaking into a Southwest Florida airport and trying to steal a plane on Monday. 43-year-old Bruce Plummer faces several charges in connection to the incident. Plummer broke into two planes but could only get the second one to start. (laughs) Officials later found the plane off the runway where he crashed it into a fence and a pole. He was caught on surveillance camera footage getting out of the plane around midnight. He was accused of leaving the site of a crash. Officials found a gun and a tactical vest along the perimeter of the airport. The firearm was registered to Plummer. He was arrested at his Fort Myers home a few hours later. So he tried to steal a plane and then went home. (laughs) Plummer was charged with burglary, armed burglary, grand larceny, and possession of bulletproof vests during a crime. According to jail records, he remained in jail yesterday. It is due in court on April 1st. He attempted to pilot the plane, immediately crashed it, and then ran out and just went back home, which has got to be one of the worst days a criminal has ever had. <laughs> Again, so many questions that arise when you read these kinds of stories to me. But first and foremost, the first thing that comes to my mind, I mean, I know you can hotwire a car. I don't know how, but I know it can be done, and that's often how cars are stolen. Was that what he Can you hotwire an airplane? How was he trying to steal the airplane? I don't understand <laughs> what he was thinking about. I don't understand where and he then, was going. Of course, you know, does he have a, uh, does he know how to fly an airplane? Obviously not, because he crashed it, <laughs> and he couldn't get the first one to start. <laughs> right? Do you so, think the one pilot's upset because he left the keys up in the dashboard? Exactly. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like how how did he start it? How do how do you can you hotwire an airplane? <laughs> I, I find that hard to believe. But how did he? Not be able to start one and be able to start the other. I have I don't no know. idea. What was he doing? Was Where it was a he remote going? control start? Why Southwest? <laughs> right. Why was right. he only trying? And what to was his Southwest agenda? Then? Where Where was he going to hide the plane that no one would find him? I have no. This doesn't seem like a real smart plan, no, no. especially if the whole if the whole night ends with Nah, I'll just go home. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get away with no, it. Not a crimi- not. not a criminal genius no. or mastermind by any stretch of the imagination. Didn't really think this plan through. Checking WEU Sports as the NFL Scouting Combine gets underway this weekend in Indianapolis. The Philadelphia Eagles still don't have an answer on a pair of their longest tenured players. GM Howie Roseman said yesterday that the Eagles want to give both center Jason Kelsey and defensive tackle Fletcher Cox the time they need to make a decision on whether or not they're going to come back to the team or not. But he also said that one thing that the team does wants is to not 
see them in a different uniform next season. Yeah, they got to make a decision here. I mean, time is <laughs> Yeah, because the draft is coming. Yeah. I mean, you guys, it's obviously going to impact what you want to do. I mean, I'm sure they have guys – I mean, obviously they spent the last couple of draft picks on defensive tackles, but still you want to know for sure moving forward as to exactly what you're going to do. Those are a couple big pieces. It's not like a journeyman player was Both on literally your team for and figuratively. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's spring training baseball yesterday. Philadelphia Phillies, Atlanta Braves – Again, ended up playing to a tie at 7-7, but it started off very well. JT Real Muto batting second in the Phillies lineup yesterday in his first at bat in spring training. Zone division spring training. Fly ball left field. Hit well. Kelnick <laughs> going back toward the wall. It is gone. A long home run for Real Muto. That ball was Not a bad first hammered. <laughs> that was hammered. That, that was about as loud as it gets. That is quite literally the crack of the bat. And a little bit, a little bit later on, a couple of batters later, and it's still in the bottom of the first, it was Alec Bohm's first spring training at bat. <laughs> it was also loud. Out to left field. How about the first games for Alec Bohm and JT Real Muto? A two-run home run, and the Phillies lead it 3-0. Tom McCarthy with a call on the Phillies TV broadcast. So JT Real Muto, Alec Bohm, first at bats of spring training. That was actually the first pitch to Alec Bohm, mm-hmm. and he put it in the seats for a two-run home run for a three-run first inning for the Phils. Again, the Phils bullpen ended up giving up three runs in the top of the ninth to make it a 7-7 tie. Phillies Grapefruit League record now kind of looks like an NHL record. They're now 2-0-2. <laughs> the Reading Royals returned home last night. They whitewashed the Wheeling Nailers 4-0. Nolan Meyer had 42 saves in the shutout, and four different Reading Royals found the back of the net. Penn State Lady Lions beat Purdue in their final road game of the regular season last night, 93-88. They're now 17-11 on the season. And elsewhere in Big Ten women's college basketball, Iowa's Caitlin Clark scored 33 points, had 12 rebounds, and 10 assists. That's a pretty impressive triple-double in what was a 108-60 to route of Minnesota. Clark now needs 18 points to beat Pistol Pete Maravich's all-time score, college scoring record of 3,667. She's remarkable. She is. Remarkable. And I tell you what, if anyone's going to bring eyes to the WNBA, yeah. it might be her. Yeah, it she really is, might be her. She is so good and yeah. so fun to watch. Yeah. And again, I, I'm just going to take the shot because they deserve it. Jay Williams, from who was on, uh, who was on ESPN, said something about that she's not she's not great because she's never won a championship, which is so stupid. <laughs> I mean, to say that, do you know how many people have not won a championship? Well, here's one: P- Pete, Mar- Pete Maravich, who scored three thousand seven, was a, the greatest college basketball player ever, I've ever seen in my life. Unbelievable player. Never won a championship. Well, how many schools? Larry Bird never won it. Exactly. Yeah. It's just a stupid thing to say. It's, it's and she's going to come in. She's going to dominate the WNBA. She's her, she's an amazing player. Just flat out an amazing player and one certainly. And she's also bringing fannies to the seats. She's doing great things for women's college basketball right now. And you're right. She's going to ultimately probably bring those fannies to the seats for the WNBA as well. She's a great player. Just enjoy watching her play. There instead are 351 of three hundred and fifty one schools. In yeah. D1. Correct. Yeah. Only and, one school can right. win a national championship. And she, yeah, and Iowa is obviously a very good team and will be in contention with it, and she could end up winning it this year. She still hasn't a chance to win it this yeah. year. But to say, because she hasn't won a championship, she's not a she's not a, a, an all-time great. Yeah, okay, whatever. Or, or next year in this world of nils, yeah, she, that's she might make more money going back to Iowa. That's absolutely true. There's a lot to be said for that. If I were her, I'd go back. Yeah. Why not? Yep.
A couple of consolation games played last night involving Burst County teams in the District 3 basketball tournament. In boys 5A, Exeter defeated Warwick 67-59 to claim the fifth seed in the PWA playoffs. Muhlenberg defeated Mannheim Central 62-58 to claim the seventh seed. In girls class 6A, Wilson falls 11 and 64-49. Bulldogs head to the PWA tournament as the fourth seed. We'll have more details on those games and what it means for some of the for those Burks teams moving into the PWA playoffs during our local and scholastic sports update at 7:20. One more big game to be played today. That's why I'm missing and it the Delone Catholic Squire. At 4.30 this afternoon, the lone Berks County team to play for district championship is why missing. Unbeaten Spartans face the lone Catholic girls for a title this afternoon. 4.30 is tip-off time from Hershey, and we'll have the we'll have the live coverage for you presented by Cross Keys Insurance beginning with our pregame show at 4.15. Sports is brought to you by the Reading Royals. Royals at home Friday and Saturday night to face Adirondack. Friday night is Reading High Night with a special appearance by some guy named Lonnie Walker. For more information and tickets, go to RoyalsHockey.com. Take a break. We'll be back with more. Keep it right here. News, traffic, weather, sports, and fun. It's Mornings with Mike on 830 WEEU, the voice of Berks and beyond. Ladies and gentlemen, now it is you. All right, about two and a half minutes or so till we get some news here at the top of the hour. We'll have local before that, then ABC News for you here on 830-WEEU, the voice of Burks and beyond. Phone number 610-374-8800. Email mike at 830-WEEU.com. And you can text us 267-422-2830. Well, apparently my sister was listening. I wasn't Uh-oh. prepared for that. There we go. Here's what Family uh, squabbles. Here's what she said. They mess with my head. They are weird. Watch one swim. Weird. It's like believing we live in a simulation. Messes with my head. <laughs> then she admitted, I know they're real. I just have trouble with them. Uh-huh. So they just so now, weird her out. Uh, okay. So, okay. That's a little bit better than just, you know, a conspiracy theory that they don't even exist. Yeah. But they're all like wind-up toys right. that you use in the tub. Did you did you push her down the stairs at some point in time? No. She fall on her head? No, but I was dropped on the <laughs> stairs when I was younger by one of my dad's friends kids who is a lot yeah oh he talks about it all the time (laughs) every now and then he apologizes to me like if we're golfing with him and i shank when he goes that's on me i dropped you down the stairs all right um anyway so apparently she does believe that they're real they do they do they're real they just creep her out or so she says so so she is to snakes you are to snakes as she is to seahorses Shall yeah, we go with that? But which one of those fears is more rational? Well, I'm not, I didn't say that. I wasn't saying that. I wasn't judging. I was just trying to assess. I got you. I got you. I got you. As far as they go, though, I will tell you that if you wanted to tell me that they were aliens, I would believe you. Okay. Same thing with octopuses. There's right. people out there who believe octopuses are aliens. So if our friends from the Lehigh Valley Zoo pulled a seahorse out of that cooler in the hallway the other week, that wouldn't have bothered you at all. No, it wouldn't have bothered me. I'd like the to snake. know what... Yeah. That was a different story. Is the mothership here? Is what I would have asked the seahorses. <laughs> all right, got to wrap up this hour. Don't forget, 8.05 this morning, USGA comms director Julia Pine is going to be with us. We'll learn what it takes to bring a USGA championship to a regional golf course. Lancaster Country Club will host the U.S. Women's Open May 30th through June 2nd. We'll find out all about it coming up here on 830 WEEU+. 
We will talk some Wendy's and their statements after uh, everyone talked about their surge pricing or dynamic pricing, plus uh, the passing of Don't Richard mess Lewis. with my hamburger. We'll talk to you after the news. Keep it right here. It's time for Mornings with Mike on 830 WEEU, the voice of Burks and Beyond. Hey, who wants to have some fun? Featuring Mike Keller and Bob McCool. A guaranteed disaster. Now, here's Mike. Let me talk to you. All right. 7 o'clock hour here on this Thursday morning, this leap year Thursday morning. Phone number 610-374-8800. Email mike at 830weeu.com. And you can text us 267-422-2830. That's 267-422-2830. If you're just tuning in, you missed the unveiling of our Which One Wednesday results. Jiff took the top spot, getting 60% of the vote. Skippy in second with 37% of the vote. And way back in third is poor little Peter Pan with 3% of gonna give the him, vote. You're going to give him a complex. I, not me. I mean, I voted, so yeah, maybe me. <laughs> I'm part of it. I'm not alone. There's 97% of us that are going to give Peter Pan a complex. <laughs> Um, but, uh, and it is a Peter Pan complex. I got it. I'm working, I'm working a little slow this morning. <laughs> uh, but, so there you go. Jiff, Skippy, and Peter Pan. I knew there was a deeper meaning. <laughs> I'm sorry. There usually is when I speak. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll re- let's start this, eight, this hour over. <laughs> All right. Welcome back. Seven o'clock hour. Jiff won 60%. Skippy 37%. Peter Pan 3%. Uh, coming up at 8.05 this morning, we're going to talk with Julia Pine from the USGA. She's their comms director about the U.S. Women's Open coming to the Lancaster Country Club. As I mentioned, today is Leap Day. So for those of you who celebrate a Leap Day birthday, this is your year. Yes. And if anyone is out there, just to start things off, I would love to talk with someone yeah, who celebrates a Yeah, that's a great question. Good for you. I, 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 hope, I hope we can get find some leapers out there i would that's what they call them they call them right? leapers yes i i better, yeah. no lie uh, fact a uh, fun fact from leap day is a leap day baby is referred to a as leaper. a leaper um something i has never referred to in all my basketball playing days is a leaper no we were not i was not a leaper either whether okay. i had been born on february 29th or not i would never been confused as a leaper well as the old movie says white men can't leap. that's me so uh you know we don't even try but yes <laughs> leapers are what they are referred to as or leaplings those are the two accepted uh i guess names okay for people who celebrate birthdays on leap day yeah uh, at least leapling sounds a little bit better i think because leaper is a little bit too close to you know a but leper. <laughs> leapling sounds like a kid. Like yeah, a, right. Like yeah. On your first a, a ba- day. Yeah, your first couple of. When you're, you're born. Right. When you're, you're 12 you or three, leaper. you're a leapling. Yeah. I think once you get into double digits, you're right. a leaper. Uh, it's a leaping. It's like right. becoming a baby, then a toddler. <laughs> Correct. And then okay. uh, adolescent, all that thing. So leapers or leaplings is what they're called. If you have a birthday on a leap year. I would love to know what you do to celebrate the rest of the year. I'm guessing you either pick the 28th or the 1st. I would go with the 1st, I guess. Yeah. technically it's the day after the 28th. Right, and it would really born. be your birthday as opposed to February 28th. It really isn't your no. birthday. It would still be the same day. Well, really, but none at of least, those are your birthday. Right, well, correct. But, I mean, you know, it 
it would theoretically be the next day. You weren't born on February 28th. You were born the next day, which now happens to be March 1st. But you weren't born on March 1st. You were born the day before, Correct, which is February yeah, 29th. It's, I fall, I'm on your side. We have side. questions if, if, yeah. for any, any leapers who do call us. Or leap leans. Right. We'll love to talk with but you. But at least I, I think if you do it on the 28th, then it's still a February birthday? Yeah. As opposed to a March birthday? There's arguments, I think, right. on both sides. Here's what I probably think it boils down to. Which date is closer to the weekend? <laughs> That's a very valid point. Yes, it's easier to you know have all the things that go along with having a birthday is better if it is a weekend. I'm going to imagine. And in this case, that would be March 1st. That's right. If, if your birthday falls on uh, the 29th and it, first is a Friday, yeah. I think chances are you're going to celebrate <laughs> on March 1st on those years that you don't have right. a February 29th. Although I would imagine whenever leap year rolls around and you actually do have a February 29th, I would imagine that this is a huge, huge day for those people, especially right, kids. Right, because it really now finally is your birthday. Yeah, especially kids. And if you have been a parent of someone who celebrates a leap year birthday or a grandparent of someone who celebrates a leap year birthday, how did you make that kid's day special when they only had it every four right. years? And another question, if we can find a leaper who would be willing to call us, like how long into it did it was it before you kind of understood yeah. like, it's not really my birthday, but it is my birthday. Yeah. Like, how old were you before it made any sense before to you? Before the whole leap year, right. this day's here Correct. this year, but not Because everybody, this year. all your other friends have a birthday that's Every single technically year. normal. Yeah. What did, you know, what, how long was it before you actually understood why, officially, your birthday only comes every four years? And do you view it as a good thing, as a special right. thing? sure, it is special, I guess. As an adult, I'm sure you view it as a special right. thing, but as a kid, you're right. You had to hate it, because even a simple thing is having a summer birthday for right. me. I would always hate when I was a kid and in school because for <laughs> seven, eight months, everyone got birthdays in school. But because I was born in August, right. never had a school birthday, which was kind of a bummer because it looked like a huge thing in elementary school. <laughs> Cupcakes were served. Uh, you got to sit in a special chair. Maybe there was a hat involved. Like it was a whole production when you're in elementary school. We'll get you a hat. Birthday. <laughs> Is that why you wear a hat all the time? Because you're because of some deep seated vacancy because you didn't get to wear a hat a birthday hat in school? No, it's because my hair wasn't deep-seated enough <laughs> and just decided to fall on Fair out. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but every four years we think of leap year and leap day. But did you know, did you know that there is not actually a leap year every four years? We skipped it in 1900 and we're going to skip it again. There are some people alive really, who are listening to us right now who will be alive the next time we skip a leap day. Nice. Which is coming up in 2100. So it's about, <laughs> you know, it's 76 years from now. All right, well, but keep in mind. I missed it the first one, and I'm going to miss the next you one. You and I are not going to hit that window. <laughs> no. But there are people who are listening sure. who could be alive right. 76 years from now. Kids on their way to school in the morning. Right who will be alive when the next time we skip a leap year is in 2100. Uh, we also skipped it in 1700, 1800, 1900, uh, 2100, 2200, 2300, and 2500. So it's not every hundred. It, it, yeah. It's very scientific, very <laughs> mathematical, and it all comes back to the point that there is technically 365, I think, point two four days in every year, right. if you really want to get down to it, which is why we have to go ahead and add that leap day mm -hmm. every fourth year. But if you added it every, every, every fourth year, it would screw everything up <laughs> and throw you way off. Right. What For those people in 300 and 200 years who need it every 200 years, it comes across. Yeah. I did not know that. I never knew that, I didn't know that, that, that we either. skip leap year 
every couple hundred years. Well, it hasn't come up in our lifetime. <laughs> oh, no, I get it's it. It's not going. And we're going to, like I said, we missed the last one, and yeah. we're going to miss the next one. There was a good stretch there where it didn't really matter that we were going <laughs> to skip one at 2100, because anyone who was going to hear it wasn't going to be around right. to react to it. But yeah, we do skip it on occasion, and that's because of the exact amount of time. This show is so is. educational. It really is. We don't understand any of it, but we sure do <laughs> spew it out. What's amazing to me is how, you know, I understand in 2024 how NASA could put up a satellite and time the rotation of the Earth and figure out exactly how long every day is, how many days we need to have in a year, and then go ahead and add an extra day every four years because we have to make it even. I understand all that because of math and computers and all that stuff. But this was all decided way before any of that. Mm -hmm. Correct. And that we talk, we wonder sometimes, like, are we the smartest people ever alive as this generation of people on the planet? You realize there were some people in the past who had their act together before they had all this artificial (laughs) help to kind of assist them in finding this stuff out and making these discoveries. They had to do it with just their eyeballs and their brains and, I guess, some scientific experiments that I could never understand. Well, yeah, we can't understand it now. No, but when you think about that with, you know, all the knowledge that we have now at our disposals, literally at at our fingertips, and for them to devise and develop that without the the technological know-how that we now use. It is really some deep-seated thinking on their part to have all this. Because how far back did that go that you had it, how often they skipped it? Well, I can tell you that the father of Leap Year um, (laughs) is Julius Caesar. He is well, known he's as the, the guy who, of the, you know, because yep. of the calendar. Yep. The calendar we use today comes from it's from Julius Caesar, correct? So you go all the way back to the Roman right. days, and basically that's and they what they went we're and stabbed about. him. Yeah, <laughs> guy had some pretty good ideas. <laughs> e two, right? Come right. on, come on, come right. on, right? Uh, and there are some cultures. Some other quick tidbits here. There are some cultures. That he don't, made a good salad too. I do enjoy the salad, <laughs> especially at, this is a red lobster. It's always back to salad. food. Uh, <laughs> some cultures don't do February 29th, or they didn't. I'm sure they do now, but back in the day, they just repeated the 24th, which okay. is so random to me. <laughs> why would you just repeat the 24th? Why yeah, not the 28th? 28th? Right. Right. Or why not just add a day? But there were times right. in certain cultures where February 24th occurred right before February 24th. (laughs) So February 24th happened twice. So that's just some of the other uh, fun little uh, bits of trivia for Leap Day. There are 4 million people, according to what I'm reading here, that have Leap Day birthdays. So if you are- 4 million people alive today who have it? Yeah, so if you are, that's what it says. Four people in the world are Leap Day babies. So Leap Day birthdays, 4 million people. And you have a 1 in 1,461 chance of being born a Leap Day baby. Hmm. In case you wanted to know that. And would you like to know some of the people who do celebrate a birthday? Sure. Here let's, on Leap let's Day? Let's find out some famous leapers. I've got some famous leapers for you. Ja Rule. <laughs> okay. Or the rapper. Right. Is a famous uh, is a like famous Michael Jordan leaper. was a leaper, that would be interesting. That would be a little too on the nose. <laughs> uh, Tony Robbins, motivational uh, speaker, okay. yes. is um, a leaper. Peter Scanavino, uh, he was on Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Okay. Uh, also, this is another name that we know, Dennis Farina. That's an yes, actor yeah. who we're all familiar with. Yep, he was Hill in Street Crime Blues. Story, Law and Order, Hill Street Blues. He was a leap year baby. Dinah Shore oh. is a leap year baby. Uh, and you go down the list here, there's a couple other uh, pretty familiar names that uh, we even have an astronaut, Jack Lausma. I don't know who he is. Uh, <laughs> but he was born on leap year. So there are some familiar leap year babies but uh 
they're all kind of random. None of the big stars, it looks like, right. were born on actually leap days. Interesting. But there you go. That's, that's some leap day trivia for you, and we're going to have some leap day social media content for you <laughs> that was filmed yes. yesterday. And I got – did you get to see a sneak preview of I it? Didn't, I didn't – I just saw the – particular pieces of it as they were being done oh you you watched them i well dust as they were being done i have not seen anything remotely close to a completed project i have seen the completed project <laughs> and i will tell you that it was very well done i know there was a lot of laughing going on and i'm <laughs> i'm looking Thanks. forward <laughs> you I'm, always catch the, the, the great still shots don't you i'm looking forward to uh having that unveiled today on our social media at 9 a.m you are going to learn our, and I know this was a thing, our leap day age. So if you had a birthday on leap day, right, right. and then you only celebrated your birthday when there was a leap day, right. how old would you be? So you need your four times table. Yes, or divide. Right. You want to divide your age Correct. by four. So I am 11 and a quarter years old. <laughs> That's how old I am right. according to my leap day birthday. I'm 15 and a half. 15 and a half? Give-ish. Yeah, something yeah. like that. And, and Bill is, I think, 43, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. If sure. I, if I read that right, correctly. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> if I read that correctly when I saw it take place. But you can go ahead and watch that video. It's very funny and very well done. You get right. to see everybody who was in the building yesterday here at WEEU. So feel free to go like and said, uh, check I that out. Like I said, I just noticed, I noticed, there, I, I know this, there was a lot of laughing being done by the cinematographer. And and director. Yes. Yes. Well, she with the same person. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, <laughs> she she was all her doing, and well, she gave you credit for the idea. I don't remember that. Uh, well, just saying. I would. I don't remember that happening, but it, right. <laughs> I, I don't care. It came out funny. Right. I know that I did suggest we jump into the scene uh-huh. and then jump out of the right. scene, which I know a lot of people were happy about. <laughs> yes. Which again, we were we were we were told to leap. Yes, I didn't right. know. And you know, when the boss says jump, yeah, you know, I didn't know that the birthday people were actually called leapers. Right. But at that point, I found this yesterday. But now it's pretty apropos that to celebrate our leap day ages, right? We used leaping to get in and out of the frame. Correct. I will say that some people's leaps were better than others. Well, you would think. That's all no, I will it makes say. sense. That was... I have not seen it. I'm sure I will. That's all you... I'll tell you what, during the next uh, commercial break, <laughs> I will give you a are, sneak preview. Are you proud of yours, uh, since you've seen yours? Uh, well, I'm not proud of mine, because it's not really something to be proud of. <laughs> but I will tell you that there are some that are more entertaining than others. Uh-huh. Uh, our traffic director, Brian Keith. Yes. Excellent. Uh, Bill Saunders, great job. Loved yeah. it. Uh, so there's a couple on there that I are very feeling, entertaining. Yes, I have a feeling that mine probably is not the best. I, I liked your wave. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I liked your wave. So oh, make sure you get ready to check that out. Just another reason to follow our social media, which, again, has a completely different look and feel. Go to Facebook and search for 830 WEEU, and then go to X and Insta and search for at 830 WEEU. And go ahead and follow us on all of those platforms and make sure you keep up to date with everything we have going on. Plus, you get to see some fun content like that. So that should be posted at 9 a.m. this morning. So make sure you are ready to click on over and give that reel a look. So you didn't, you know, with your creativity and, you know, somewhat sometime evil eye, you didn't do any editing. I did not. No, I was not involved in any editing. I just Check. grabbed that screenshot of you. I trust, I trust 
some people's uh, and if no. there was editing involved you i would not trust i was just sent the finished product <laughs> okay. and i have no ability to touch it or edit or right. mess with it okay. in any way shape right. or form right. then i'm uh, then i will stand on whatever it looks like i am out of the loop if all... you didn't touch it then i'm okay uh, it's all good it's very if you touched it i would have an issue <laughs> you'd have some problems yes all right well because i know it, i would even ultimately look worse than it might already do. I don't think anyone looked bad. Yeah. Worse, everyone looked great. Everyone, I think it's going to, here's what it's going to do. <laughs> it's going to put a smile on everyone's face who watches it. Well, like I said, uh, there, was, there was a lot of laughing going on during the filming of the project. <laughs> well, that, if you're having a good time while you're making the project, right. How, right. how can the Correct. project be better? Like I said, when the boss says jump. Yeah, when well, we got our Steven Spielberg back there <laughs> directing the day, and uh, everything went off without a hitch. So you'll be able to see that coming up at 9 a.m. with a leap day uh, content for you coming up on our social media. All right, about 24 minutes after 7 o'clock, we've got a look at the area roadways coming up here in just a moment. Plus, we'll get your three-day AccuWeather forecast. It's a much different morning than it was yesterday morning at this time. Very mild yesterday morning, uh, very even warm at times yesterday morning. We see a high of 55 at this point yesterday. Right now, we are only at 30 degrees. Also, we got into the 60s, I think, yesterday. Today, the temperature only getting up to 41 degrees. So a much cooler, cooler day as we get ready for the end of the week and our weekend, which does get a little more mild with temperatures of 51, 52, and finally on Sunday, 60 degrees so if you're looking for some outdoor activities this weekend it looks like sunday might be the day to plan accordingly okay checking weu sports reading royals returned home last night and whitewashed the wheeling nailers which is not necessarily easy to say for nothing the final score another excellent night from nolan meyer we'll ship it forward for martell handles at the goal line martell down low back to a pass shot let save Nolan Meyer! Larceny with the right pad! Keeps wheeling off the board! A minute 18 to go! Final 15 seconds on the power play! Down low shot! Another save by Meyer! Drakovich pass picked up by Nardi! Cleared down the ice! What an effort by the penalty kill! And Nolan Meyer web gem saves! There you go, Eric Jesperger needs to care more. Yes. And send him cough drops. 42 saves last night for Nolan Meyer. Four different Royals found the back of the net. A couple of consolation games played last night involving Berks County teams in a District 3 basketball tournament. Here's the results and here's what it means. Boys Class 5A, Exeter defeated Warwick 67-59 to claim the fifth seed in the PIAA playoffs. The Eagles will now face the District 1 runner-up in a first-round action next Friday in the PIAA playoffs. That will be the loser of tonight's game between Unionville and Upper Dublin. So those two play for the district championship, Unionville and Upper Dublin. The loser of that faces Exeter in the first round next Friday. Muhlenberg defeated Mannheim Central 62-58 to claim the seventh seed from District 3. The Mules open up PIAA play next Friday at District 4 champion Sealands Grove. In girls class 6A, Wilson falls to Lebanon 64-49. Bulldogs head to the PIAA tournament as the fourth seed and will face the number three seed from District 1 on Friday. That will be either North Penn or Conestoga. A couple of consolation games on tap tonight. Fleetwood plays at Berks Catholic in a boys 4A consolation game. That will determine third and fourth. That game is at Berks Catholic at seven. And then Reading High hosts Redline in a boys 6A 
consolation game. Same thing. The Red Knights win. They're the third seed. If Red Lion wins, then the Red Knights would be the fourth seed coming out of District 3. Why Missing Spartans now remain the lone Berks County team to play for a district championship in 2024. The unbeaten Spartans face Stallone Catholic for the girls' 4A title this afternoon at 4 30. We have live coverage from Hershey presented by Cross Keys Insurance beginning with the pregame show at 4.15. You can follow us along on those social medias, platforms that Mike's been talking about, whether it be on X, whether it be on Facebook or Instagram. We'll have other side pieces in addition to postgame stuff as well from Hershey this afternoon. Our sports is brought to you by the Reading Royals. Royals are home Friday and Saturday night to face Adirondack. Friday night is Reading High Night. Special appearance from none other than Lonnie Walker. For more information and tickets, go to RoyalsHockey.com. One's tall, dark, and handsome. The other is Mike. You're listening to Mornings with Mike on 830 WEEU, the voice of Burks and Beyond. All right, 25 minutes or so till the top of the hour right here on 830 WEEU, the voice of Burks and beyond. Again, make sure you're following us on social media. That reel is up there of all of us leaping in and sharing our leap day age. Some are not leaping out. Some are just leaping in. And some leap the wrong way, but, <laughs> you know, still a lot of fun to watch. Go check it out up on our Facebook and Insta Facebook 830 WEEU and on Insta at 830 WEEU. All that content and so much more available on all our social media. So go check it out. Just search for 830 WEEU. Still to come before we get out of here, your chance to win a $25 worth of Lucky Leprechaun PA Lottery scratch off tickets. And tomorrow we'll have your chance to win a Chick fil A gift bag, courtesy of our friends, of course, at Chick fil A. We'll have a Chick fil A trivia question for you. Yesterday, we discussed uh, Wendy's. I think it was right yes. around this time, so it's actually very uh, handy that it's fallen in this spot once again. We talked about their um, release of the fact that they were going to be going to what they call dynamic pricing. I read this yesterday. I'll read it again. This is their statement. Beginning as early as 2025, we'll begin testing more enhanced features like dynamic pricing and day part offerings, along with AI-enabled menu changes and suggestive selling. As we continue to show the benefit of this technology in our company-operated restaurants, franchisees, interest in digital menu boards should increase, further supporting sales and profit growth across the system. Now, they are saying dynamic pricing. The Oxford Language Dictionary <laughs> define. This is where we're at. We use a dictionary a lot in this show. This is where we're at. We're all going now. I didn't mean this. I said this. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to read you. This definition, all right? Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to read you what they say they're going to be doing or what right. we they say they what they said we said <laughs> they're going to be doing. All right. I didn't say it, you said it. The greater we. <laughs> so, the Oxford language defines dynamic pricing as the practice of varying the price for a product or service to reflect changing market conditions, in particular, the charging of a higher price at a time of greater demand. Correct. So did we say anything yesterday that would not fall under that uh, definition? No. Because if you go by the definition of dyna- dynamic pricing, that means you're going to charge more at specific 
busier times. Well, it's the very definition of it. Wendy says, no, 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 that's not what we meant. Yeah, exactly. You guys say we're going to do surge pricing. And we are not doing surge pricing. To clarify, Wendy's will not implement surge pricing, which is the practice of raising prices when demand is highest. We didn't use that phrase, nor do we plan to implement that practice. Earlier this month, we issued our fourth quarter and full year 2023 results and included an update on investments we are making in our digital business. So they come up and they're now saying this is all about the digital venue boards and all Uh this nonsense. I'm not going to read the rest to you. Here (laughs) Here is the definition for what they say we said. <laughs> All right. Wendy says, I was taken out of context. Wendy says we are not talking about their dynamic pricing. Right. We were talking about surge pricing, which mm-hmm. is what um, uh, Uber does, which is what we compared right. it to. Correct. But let me read you the definition for surge pricing. All right. Surge pricing is defined as a way of setting the price for a product or service in which the price changes according to how much demand is there for it at a particular time, which sounds eerily similar to what I read for dynamic pricing. Right. It's like potato, potato. You're saying the same thing. And now they're trying to get around it with all kinds of wordplay and, oh, we're not going to do this. We called this yesterday. Yes. That they were throwing this line in the water. To see how the results would be, what the reaction would be, and they got the reaction they probably thought they might get. Well, because we brought it up on the show, and we have changed the dynamic (laughs) in a different way. Not a dynamic pricing. We just have changed the dynamic. I would love to take complete. I'm taking. We are taking complete and total credit for all of this. Absolutely correct. I didn't hear anybody else talking about it. I heard a lot of people talking. Wow, that's because you listen to too many people. That's true. If you only listen to this, right. we were the only ones Correct. who talked about it. That's a there great point out of you. There you go. I, I don't know why I don't think of that more often. <laughs> uh, so you're welcome, America. <laughs> right. That's right. Because it looks like they're backing down on this. Right. Now, who knows what ends up happening? Like I said, this is a year away. Uh, if, if they were just testing this and yeah. floating it out there to right. see what the reaction would be, right. you shouldn't have to float it. No one wants to pay more. Like, the reaction to paying right. more is never going to be, eh, that's okay. Right. We're so what be now Wendy's is saying is what we said yesterday. Like, if you make it an incentivized version where if you come in mm-hmm. in our off hours, you'll save money. I got no problem with that. Mm-hmm. That's just trying to drive business to your off hours. That makes complete business sense. The difference is, is if you're going to charge more during peak hours, that's price gouging. And here's one it's not dynamic pricing. Here's one more statement that they put out yesterday. Any features we may test in the future will be designed to benefit our customers and restaurant crew members. Digital menu boards can allow us to change the menu offerings at different times of day and offer discounts and value offers to our customers more easily, particularly in the slower times of day. Wendy's has always been about providing high-quality food at a greater price, and customers can continue to expect that from our brand. Now, that is all fine if they're going to back the price off right. at slower times of right. day. But what they can't do is raise the price Correct. before that Correct. and then Yeah, right. <laughs> because that's what I could right. totally see the company Absolutely doing. Right. Yeah. Raising the prices to where your normal price is what the dynamic price right. would be. Right. And now we're going to bring it down during slower times Correct. of the day. Right. So now if you during the slower times is what, what used to be the – price of your hamburger yeah yeah exactly if you're going to raise the prices just to offset it but um i think a lot of this has to do with the fact that the backlash oh, from yeah. wendy's changed them quickly they as you said they they, they kind of floated this out there see how people react and obviously 
it didn't react very well for Wendy's. But they got a lot of free publicity out of it. Yeah. And this day and age... Not good publicity, but free publicity. <laughs> in this day and age... I mean, who doesn't want a Frosty? And in this day and age, <laughs> people are very also eager to kind of not believe the press. So if you float something out there <laughs> right. through the press and then be like, no, you took me completely yeah. out of context. That's it. Those are the words. That's the the words that get everybody out of everything, at yep. least in their own minds. Fake uh, news. Yes, yep. correct. I, what... I was taken out of context. Yep. That's <laughs> not what I meant. No, that's yeah, exactly. It's not what I meant. It's just what you said. <laughs> uh, 100%. Yeah, so they're falling back, it looks like, at least from what I can tell, on the old fake news that ain't right. Type you are fake news. Exactly. That's what they're going with the Donald Trump. You are fake news as in regards yep. to the surge pricing. So again, okay, just li- listen to these back to back. I just want to read these one more time, and then you, we'll. Move I've never on. seen you so passionate about anything before. Because this is this is how stupid they think we are. Dumbness makes you passionate, Mike. Dynamic pricing. The practice of varying the price for a product or service to reflect changing market conditions, in particular the charging of a higher price at a time of greater demand. Surge pricing mm-hmm. is defined as a way of setting the price for a product or service in which the price changes according to how much demand is there for it at a particular time. You tell me what's different <laughs> between those two. Nothing. This so- is what they're standing on. This is their entire argument. Right. We meant this, not that. Right. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. So what it, what you're basically saying is... Yeah, um, somebody said something they shouldn't have, and so we're going to try to spin this and make it, if nothing else, confuse you to make you think that, well, that's not really what we meant. Yeah, it is. That's exactly what you meant. It just blew up. Now, the good news is, by 2025, we will all have forgotten about this. Correct. By the time this actually comes into play, yes. yeah, theoretically, we won't even remember that that was a possibility. In fact, by next week, we won't remember this happening. <laughs> because in the end of the Somebody day... Somebody else will say something dumber. That's right. And it's between kind now of, and then. In the grand scheme of things, this is meaningless <laughs> with all the other stuff right. that's going in the world. But still, it's just, you know... One, like I said yesterday, it's not the fact that this company is going to do it. It's the fact that if this company does it and it's a success, then every other company in that industry then follows suit. Right. And that's what really Correct. becomes a problem for the Absolutely. consumer. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is, again, this is just one of those things. We talked about this. With, I'm trying to remember what we were talking about this with the other day, but somebody had an idea and at some point in time, there should have been somebody who said, you know what, this is going to blow up on us. This is not going to work. We're going to get, we're going to get some, this is going to backlash on us. And apparently nobody had that idea in the, in, the, in, the, in the meeting or that, or somebody just spoke out of turn and out of, no pun intended, context in terms of saying something without really thinking it through, and it obviously blew up on them. Dave Thomas would have never let this No, happen. absolutely not. Um, so we got a text here. This is definitely... Um Weird. Yeah. Um, according to, uh, again, this comes from Mystery Trucker. <laughs> Some sort of protest is gathering near CJ Tires in Birdsboro. Uh, I don't know if they're planning on moving out to 422, but there are a lot of people gathering. Mm. I couldn't read the signs of all the places to protest. Yeah, that's a busy spot. And it's also kind of just a not a whole lot going on there other than traffic. Right. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if anyone else has any news on that. Uh, they said they couldn't read the signs. Feel free to uh, give us a call, 610-374-8800. Email is mike at 830weeu.com, and you can always text us, 267-422-2830. Uh, I only bring that up in case it starts causing some issues out there right. traffic-wise. Because that is a very, very busy stretch of 422. And a very busy time of day right. for that stretch of roadway. So for sure... Um, if you're heading in that direction, you just might want to be aware of that. Not sure how much it's affecting anything or if it even will affect anything. Right. 
but we got that text. Wanted to share it with our listeners. If you have any more information on that, feel free to give us a call. 610-374-8800. All right. We'll get ready to get a look at the area roadways. We have got traffic for you here in mere moments. Then your three-day accurate weather forecast. Only about 25 degrees cooler today than it was yesterday. Yesterday around 55 degrees. Today we are sitting at 30 degrees here in Reading. And after traffic and after AccuWeather, we'll go ahead and get a look at some sports, which includes a nice uh, at-bat or two for the Philadelphia Phillies, which is a lot of fun. And as we mentioned, local and scholastic sports, a Royals big win with a 4 to nothing victory and 42 saves from Nolan Meyer. I guess when we had uh, Coach Binkley in here earlier in the week, he was looking for that hot goalie. Yeah. I guess he found it. Well, he's got a goalie, but he kept saying our, our, our goalies are great, but we just got to find a way to score. Well, they did last night. They got goals from four different players last night. So that's uh, the right medicine right now for the Royals. And then when you score more than just one, right. it really kind of takes the pressure off right. not just your goaltender and he, but your defense. And, and he talked about it. This was a big stretch for them because they've got a bunch of home games coming up, yep. including two this weekend. Two this weekend, then two next week on right. Wednesday and Friday before they hit the road for a little bit. They're the radio version of a show about about nothing. <laughs> Mornings with Mike on 830 WEEU. Except the changing the world. of Burks and Beyond. Changing the world for the better. One hamburger at a time. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, welcome back. About six minutes to the top of the hour. We've got news for you here in just a little bit. But, uh, Bob, I know you have some stuff you want yeah, to Yeah, just because of uh, the, uh, the story I had about Caitlin Clark and the unbelievable numbers that she's putting up. And she's about to pass and will pass Pete Maravich. It's inevitable. She got one more home game in the regular season. And then, obviously, the the, the conference tournament, Big Ten tournament, and the NCAA tournament. So, she's obviously going to blow past Pete Maravich's all-time record. And this is not to diminish Caitlin Clark. This is just about Pete Maravich. Because, from my money, he was, like, the first college basketball player I remember watching back in the old black and white days. If you ever get a chance to see videos of Pete Maravich playing, it's he's he was just an incredible incredible basketball player. Unfortunately, he had a great NBA career, kind of got diminished because he played for some bad teams. Ultimately, he ended up on some of the Celtics teams that, that had good runs, but he was not the player he was because of knee injuries. But his career, the 3,667 points, that was in three seasons because in those days, freshmen were ineligible. Think about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, nowadays with freshmen one and gun, in those days, freshmen were ineligible. So he did all of that in three years. He averaged in three seasons, 44 points per game Wow! for his career. His his season, by, you think about a 1,000-point score. In, a, in his three seasons, as a sophomore, he scored 1,138 points. As a junior, 1,148. And as a senior, he had 1,381 points just in his junior season. So his numbers, his his skill level was, was, was incredible. Again, not diminishing Caitlin Clark, who's a phenomenal player. Just talking about how great of a player – Pete Maravich was because he was a one-man team in a lot of ways. And he was pre-three-point line. Correct. <laughs> yeah, if he had a three-point line, it would be even better. But he was so dynamic and a great player in the open floor. He was a guy who would have preferred the pass rather than shoot, but he was so good at what he did uh, and died too soon as well. He was he was a great great basketball player. Yeah, I've seen highlights obviously, yeah. but never got to yeah, see there him was play. A, There was a 30 for 30 on mm-hmm. him because he had a bit of a uh, troubled off, off off the court life. His father was his coach and it was a tough life for him, And he, but he spent a lot of time in the gym, man. He 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 was a taskmaster for his skill set and a player ahead of his time. 
Ah, oh, very, very cool. And uh, Caitlin Clark, just to uh, yeah, must be, must be. It's going to be an amazing feeling to I, it's to pass anybody in a record Correct. book. But when you pass a guy that right, has she's the all-time like women's scorer, obviously, and now 18 more points, and she'll become the all-time greatest scorer in the history of college basketball. An amazing player. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. Matter <laughs> of time. A couple quick food notes here while we have a second. According to a statement, Pringles is bringing back. <laughs> A very popular chip Tanya flavor. Petrunic is going to call us again. Uh, she, oh, no, this is a different thing. <laughs> okay. uh, they're bringing back their honey mustard-flavored chips Ugh. because they say they've collected thousands of social media posts begging for their return. So they'll be available at uh, Nationwide and retailers by the end of the month. Though so anyone who can't wait can go to Pringles.com. Or you could just buy some them. You know, honey mustard dip and then dip your Pringles kind in of it. Kind of the same, wouldn't I don't it? know. I can eat two Pringles and then I'm about done yeah, with Pringles. Yeah. And then Lay's, and there's some more chip news. This is a little more off the beaten path. Uh, Lay's has teamed up with IHOP, and they've created <laughs> the new Rudy Tooty Fresh and Fruity Potato Chips that have a f- flavor features of sweet notes of strawberries and maple syrup and a subtle touch of bacon for a savory balance, all served up on a light texture and airy Lay's potato chip. You can find these chips in your nearby what is, Walmart. What does that have to do with IHOP? Uh, they t- Lay's does collabs with different places. They've right. done collabs with like I a thought you were going to put potato chips in your pancakes, no, which did no, not no. sound appetizing no, at all. No, it's just pancaking your potato chip. Ah, I see. Rudy Tooty, fresh and fruity, which <laughs> I thought was a Denny's thing because it's an IHOP thing. I don't get to breakfast enough. All right, let's take a break. News is next. On the other side, we'll talk with Julia Pine from the USGA. She's the comms director about the upcoming U.S. Open at the Women's, uh, the Women's U.S. Open at the Lancaster Country Club. It's time for Mornings with Mike on 830 WEEU, the voice of Burks and Beyond. Hey, who wants to have some fun? Featuring Mike Keller and Bob McCool. A guaranteed disaster. Now, here's Mike. Let me talk to you. All right, welcome back. Eight o'clock hour right here on 830 WEEU, the voice of Burks and Beyond. Phone numbers, if you want to get involved, 610-374-8800. Email, that's Mike at 830WEEU.com. And you can always shoot us a text message, 267 422 2830. That's 267-422-2830. Joining us right now to talk about the U.S. Women's Open, which is coming to the Lancaster Country Club on May 30th through June 2nd, is the USGA's comms director. Julia Pine is on with us right now. Good morning, Julia. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing well, Julia. Thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us. We're all very excited about the return of the U.S. Women's Open to the Lancaster Country Club. It was just here a handful of years ago. I know the USGA Senior Open was in Lancaster County not too long ago. What is it about Lancaster County and this region that was attractive to the USGA as far as hosting these events? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are really ramping up the excitement. We're less than 100 days from balls in the air at this year's U.S. Women's Open. So we are in full force with our planning efforts. But um, it's really a testament to two things, the community and the golf course. You know, for us, having just hosted the U.S. Women's Open at Lancaster in 2015, you know, it's been over 20 years since we've gone to a repeat site within, you know, the same 10-year period. So um, when we say a testament to those two things, we mean it wholeheartedly. Um, We take our championships to the best courses in America, and we certainly feel that Lancaster Country Club is one of those. And the response that we got from the community in 2015 just showed that we have to come back. Um, And we, you know, 
sort of followed through with that really quickly. It probably, if you came back so quickly, wasn't only the uh, results and the uh, of the community, but also the reactions from the players. They had to really enjoy the course in order for you guys to want to come back so soon. Absolutely. I mean, we already hear that there's players who are so excited to come back. And for a lot of these players, they aren't used to playing a U.S. Open at a repeat site. We travel the country. We go to so many great courses. So they're used to getting on site, relearning a golf course, relearning a layout. Where's the you know, player hospitality? Where's our parking? Um, so they're just looking forward to being back at a site um, that they're familiar with. And then a cherry on top is it one that they loved so much. Um, you know, not only the golf course, which really provided a tough test for them, which they appreciate out of a U.S. Open, but also the fan support. You know, we had record crowds in 2015 um, at the U.S. Women's Open, and um, this year we expect, you know, a lot of the same, especially with how ticket sales are already going. It'll be here before you know it. We were talking uh, with some of the folks that we were lining up this interview with, and we were all kind of shocked at how long you guys kind of mm-hmm. make home at a course in order to get it ready for a national championship. So when did you guys return to the Lancaster Country Club to start getting ready for this 2024 U.S. Women's Open? Yeah, people can hardly believe usually how much goes into this. But at the end of the day, you know, we're taking almost a mini city, right? It's food and beverage. It's hospitality. It's the inside the ropes, the outside the ropes, the parking, the public safety, Um, And we're moving that around the country every year. So you think about what goes into an annual event that stays still, um, and then you kind of quadruple that with moving it around. So it's been about two and a half years um, that we've been back in the community in Lancaster, and we really look at it in two different categories. There's the inside the rope, so that's led by Shannon Roulard, who sets up the golf course. She works closely with the grounds crew, with the superintendent, Josh, over at Lancaster. Um, Really a couple of years out, just to make sure there's no changes needed to the golf course, Um, Really, for us, we had a great blueprint because of 2015, but the club had done some work. They had removed some trees. They had done extensive bunker work, so the golf course is just in fantastic shape. But she'll come in. She'll make sure, you know, fairways don't need to be narrowed or new tee boxes don't need to be um, created for um, our competition, which really, you know, tests the best players in the world. And then there's the the outside-the-ropes component, so securing parking lots and working with local authorities on a public safety plan, recruitment of volunteers, which, as I'm sure you know, um, in the Lancaster community isn't a heavy lift for us. We signed up 1,600 volunteers in the first five weeks um, of opening that. Um, But, yeah, there's a lot that goes into these championships, and now we're really in that home stretch 100 days and in where – Uh, You know, vendors are going to start coming on site. We're going to be putting together hospitality tents and grandstands and flooring and all of that. Joey, I'm just curious, when you're talking about the the layout of the course and just from an educational standpoint, uh, the U.S. Open on the men's side is kind of renowned for the difficulty of the layout of the course. Is the same to be said for the U.S. Women's Open as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, just part of our DNA and our championship philosophy that we want the U.S. Open World Championship to really test every facet of your game. So we want every club in the bag to get dirty. We want to test you physically. We want to test you mentally. And really, it's something that a lot of the players relish. You know, it stands out U.S. Open week from the layouts or course setups that they see week to week on tour. So, um, it's something that, you know, when you win a U.S. Open, you've really earned it. I don't know if you can share this with us, but you mentioned you go in early to kind of see if any fairways need to be tightened or any changes that you guys need to make to the course. Will anything be different from what the players saw in 2015 from your standpoint? 
Naturally, it will just because of some of the changes at the golf course. Um, but I, like I said, I think we had a bl- good blueprint in place. Um, more of our changes this time is really from an outside-the-ropes perspective. Back in 2015, a lot of the corporate hospitality was inside the clubhouse. And this year, we've really unlocked some opportunities out on the golf course. So we're going to do a little bit of a bigger build. You're going to see some corporate hospitality tents that, you know, more closely resemble a men's U.S. Open, not as big, but um, really moving that out, unlocking some views of golf from corporate hospitality. So when something like that happens, there's just a domino effect on sort of our overall site plan and layout where fans are going to be entering, where Fan Central is. So we had some tweaks to make there, but um, most of it is really just to benefit, you know, those who come on site. You mentioned the volunteers. 1,600 people applied within the first five weeks. What kind of jobs do those volunteers do, and just how important are volunteers to what you guys do putting on these tournaments all around the country? Yeah, as you can imagine with that number, 1,600, um, we couldn't do it without them. Um, and that's why we really appreciate this community. When would we say a um, supportive community, we don't just mean the fans. We mean local businesses and, of course, volunteers. So those 1,600 volunteers are across multiple committees, everything from merchandise to um, scoring, you know, those who walk along with the players and input scoring into tablets. Um, there are those who are more like welcome ambassadors who are helping with fan experiences um, so really, volunteers are the backbone of what we do, and, and they impact every facet of our organization and operation on site. Joey, I was just curious, uh, one of the things I saw about uh, the women's tour coming up for this year, I mean, obviously the, the, the name the U.S. Women's Open is going to draw some of the best golfers in the world, but obviously the, pri- the, the prize purse obviously secures that fact, and the women's U.S. Open this year has a significantly higher purse for the winner for the winners and obviously that draws more but I guess the backbone of that would be exactly where is that added revenue coming from which is a great thing for women's golf yeah this year um, we were able to announce a new corporate partner associated with the U.S. Women's Open so it is now the U.S. Women's Open presented by Ally Um, and Ally has a history of supporting sports and specifically supporting women's sports so this is just the next step for them um, and really showing up for that commitment. Um, they are close to equal money um, when they dole out sponsorships in terms of men and women's sports, and that's not typical across corporations across America, so we really appreciate the support of Ally. But like you said, we have more than doubled the port purse since we were there in 2015, which is a staggering number. Um, in the last three years, we've gone from 10 11 to $12 million this year for that purse. And, you know, these athletes deserve that. They're the best at what they do, and um, we have led – at the USGA in that area since, you know, our inception. So that's something that's important to us and we want to continue doing. Um, and another thing that, you know, sort of gets lost in the shuffle is that um, we pay out what we call missed cut money. So if you make the U.S. Women's Open, we feel like you've already won. Um, so even if you miss the cut, you're taking home a paycheck that week, and that's important for us to make sure that all you know, 156 players in the field um, have really earned, you know, a paycheck that week when they come to the U.S. Open. Well, for a lot of those players, they've already gone through quite the grind just to get to Lancaster Country Club. Absolutely, yep. So that's what makes the U.S. Women's Open open, right, Mm -hmm. is that qualifying. So certainly the top players in the world, the top players in the Rolex rankings, and those who have won majors or, or top amateur events, um, earn what we call it an exemption into the field. But everyone else gets in through qualifying. So we have qualifying this spring, 
26 sites, 23 in the U.S. and three internationally. There's one in the Pittsburgh area, which is the one closest to Lancaster, but that's 36 holes, a very grueling day. Um, typically, it can be dozens of players for just a handful of mm-hmm. spots, but uh, if you play well in those 36 holes, you can have a life-changing opportunity at the U.S. Open. And a lot of times, those players will see, I don't want to say more pressure, but equal pressure just trying to get into the tournament because you get into a playoff situation where we've all seen on Golf Channel where you got 12 people playing off for one or two spots, and it's a sudden-death playoff, so the intensity and the grind and just the work that's put in just to make this tournament really is worth a paycheck at the end of the day. It really is, and, and like you said, that kind of pressure, you know, it can make or break your season, whether you make the U.S. Open. Um, I remember maybe it was 2019, Maria Fossey, who's just a fan favorite, um, she made enough money the week of the U.S. Women's Open to secure her LPGA Tour card moving forward. So um, there's a lot at stake. There's sort of the stories behind the stories. Obviously, everyone is out there competing to win the U.S. Open. You know, it's uh, uh, life-changing to win, but... Um, it can be life-changing just to have a good finish or just to even mm-hmm. make the field at a U.S. Open. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned the purse growing. I feel like women's golf altogether has really grown over these last few years, both in television coverage, in the purses, and just also in some of the stars that have come out. It's going to be very exciting for Lancaster to get some of these stars, these Nelly Cordas, these Lexi Thompsons. Uh, it's got to be exciting for you to get to work with these excellent golfers as well and bring them to these places that don't always get to see top-level golf. Yeah, I mean, when we're in Lancaster, we really do feel like the biggest show in town. And again, that's a testament to those around the community who make us feel that way. But um, like you said, these are, you know, some of the best athletes in the world. Um, So for them to get to experience Lancaster community and for the community to get to witness them firsthand um, is a really special opportunity. But absolutely, women's golf is growing. Um, It feels like it's part of a larger movement in women's sports, Mm -hmm. whether it be the WNBA or the NWSL. Um, There's just growth long growth in women's sports that's well-deserved. So, like I said, you know, companies like Ally are stepping up and it's helping grow the purses around women's sports, tennis as well. Um, and then our partners like NBC, um, from a broadcast perspective, have really leaned in. And we have record broadcast hours every year now at the Women's Open as well. So those on-site get the opportunity to benefit from this growth, but those around the world do too. Joey, I'm just curious. Uh, obviously, that everybody would love to someday be a professional athlete. Not all of us <laughs> quite ultimately get there. You've obviously taken a path to be a part of professional athletics. Just curious, a little background from your own perspective as to how you got to the position with the USGA. For somebody who, out, who might be out there who thinks, boy, I'd love to be in that kind of position, especially for young girls who might be listening. Yeah, there's so many opportunities to participate in sports, even if you're not a top-level athlete. And I was certainly not. My uh, softball career ended after after high school, so it wasn't <laughs> in the cards for me to be able to, you know, tee it up and make a living. But um, I've loved sports my whole life. I think I was about eight years old when I said I want to work in sports one day, and I've been, um, you know, lucky enough to have that pan out for me. But um, this is a great opportunity for me to plug our Boatwright program. You know, it's an internship program that exists all across the country. It's USGA-funded but it lives at the Allied Golf Association level, so whether it's the Florida State Golf Association, the Texas Golf Association, the Golf Association of Philadelphia, the USGA actually funds internships across all aspects of the golf world, whether it be communications, tournaments, operations, uh, member services. 
Um, so there's really an opportunity in golf for those to get a foot in the door. And when we look at the success of the Boatwright program, um, people who have been Boatwrights have gone on to work in all areas of the industry, the PGA Tour, uh, Golf Week, uh, Titleist, TaylorMade. So, um, you know, if you're interested in, in, a, in a career in golf, I would certainly start there. We're talking with USGA Comms Director Julia Pine about the upcoming U.S. Women's Open at the Lancaster Country Club. I was reading a little bit about you, Julia, and um, you mentioned your softball career. You're not a golfer, and yet you work <laughs> in the golf industry, I have to guess, surrounded by a bunch of people who play golf and, and are out there <laughs> on the course on a regular basis. How did you find your way into golf not being a golfer when I feel like most of the people in that industry are very passionate players of the sport? Yeah, it's funny. You know, like I said, I always thought I'd work in sports, and I just didn't have a ton of exposure to golf. My family was a little bit more of a tennis family. You know, that's how we spent our time on vacation. So I assumed I'd work in baseball, basketball, or football, or some of the more um, common sports you see on TV on a regular basis as a kid. Um, and it was actually that Boatwright program that first uh, alerted me to a career in golf. I actually sat down at the Southern California Golf Association. I was living in L.A. at the time um, and had applied for the Boatwright position um, and met what would soon become my future boss, who actually said, um, I have a full-time job for you, so let's let's ignore this internship. So, um, you know, I had a mentor there that really helped me get to this place, but um, I have not yet caught the playing golf bug. Uh, I certainly hope I do. I recently moved to the Pinehurst area, so if it's going to happen, it's going to happen here. But um, like you said, I'm surrounded by people who love the game. Um, and, and I am one of them. I'm a junkie when it comes to tuning in to the LPGA Tour and PGA Tour each week, but uh, I, have not, I have not become the one who wants to play 36 holes a day, um, but I hope it's in my future. We hope so, too, because you, you have to be in the minority of people, especially who tune in week in and week out and watch golf, because most of us are, are watching it as players and trying to be uh, you know, a fraction of what these players on TV are. So it's just very unique, and uh, I hope you get that golf bug because it is a lot of fun when you get out there and you you hit that good shot. You'll and you'll always hit it on like the 17th or 18th hole. That one good shot after a horrible day that'll bring you back. So it's addictive, <laughs> and, I, and I hope you get there. Probably spoiled by I'm probably spoiled by all the good golf. I've yeah, watched since I mean, it's I've not only doesn't look anything like that. Level golf. <laughs> no, it would be a different game. You'd be watching a different game. I know. I I go out there and I'm. I'm like, this doesn't look like the golf I see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Julia Pine, USG comms director. Julia, thank you so much for your time. We can't wait for the U.S. Women's Open to be at the Lancaster Country Club. I know we're going to be there. It's going to be exciting. And I just love that this championship, you know, not only was here in 2015, but it was such a success in this region that you guys couldn't even wait a decade to bring it back. I think that's just kudos to everybody involved, from you guys to the region to the players. Uh, just sounds like the perfect kind of match made in heaven. Well, thanks so much for the support from your end, too, and we look forward to having you out there. Sounds good. Thank you, Julia. Take care. Bye-bye. Julia Pine, USGA comms director, talking a little U.S. Women's Open coming up at the Lancaster Country Club. Yeah, I didn't realize that, that they don't make return trips. Um, yeah, that is very years. interesting. I mean, yeah. I guess, you know, obviously there's a competition out there from co- different courses who would like to host it. In different areas of the country. Uh, right, and some obviously just make more sense than others. But, yeah, you would think that the, the number of courses, that are, think about how many courses that are out there and certainly the number who would like to have it. So, yeah, hats off to, the, the, I mean, we say Lancaster community, but obviously it's, 
it's a much more expanded beyond Lancaster County, uh, and so, no doubt so so too are the volunteers who are coming in. Absolutely, I'm sure there's some Berks County volunteers right. Right. of those 1600 that will be making their way down 222 for the U.S. Women's Open when it hits the course on May 30th through June 2nd. It's Mike Keller and Bob. Oops, I hung up on that caller. McCool on mornings with Mike on 8:30 W E E U, the voice of Berks and Beyond. Not once today. Today, you're on fire. You're on fire. <laughs> Technically, I think I'm the last person to hang up on a That's caller. That's true. That was karma. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been downhill since then. Let's be honest. All right, this is true. Welcome back. Very true. Six one zero three seven four eighty eight hundred. Email Mike at 830weeu.com, and you can text us 267-422-2830. We give away a $25 bundle of PA Lottery scratch-off tickets each and every day. And today's winner of the Lucky Leprechaun bundle, our final $25 bundle of Lucky Leprechaun PA Lottery scratch-off tickets, is David in Fleetwood. Good morning there, David. How are you? Good morning. I'm very good. How are you? I'm doing well, David. Thank you so much for listening, and congratulations. You got yourself that $25 bundle. You now have a chance to scratch your way to a big $100,000 victory. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. Are you a golfer? I'm not a golfer. I'm a pickleball player. Ah, I, I, I understand that. I understand that, David. Uh, where do you play pickleball? Uh, all over. West Reading, Sinking Spring, Temple, you play anyway. at West Reading? We probably have played together, David. I've seen you there, but I haven't played against you yet. All right, you, you don't want to beat me? You don't want to hurt my <laughs> ego? Uh, just hasn't matched up. All right, well, this summer we'll have to go head-to-head. Bring your lottery tickets. We'll play for lottery <laughs> tickets. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding, David. But seriously, make sure we uh, say hi next time you're over at West Reading and I'm there, okay? Okay, I will. All right, thank you, buddy. I'll talk to you later. We'll put your tickets downstairs Monday through Friday between 9 and 5, okay? All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. There you go. David, today's winner of a $25 bundle of PA Lottery scratch I'm not going to lie. Because I said that about not hanging up on anybody, yeah. I was very nervous before I pushed that button. <laughs> that was going to somehow or another have karma hit come back on me now because I said that. Well, the call was over. So well, I no, he hadn't got his ticket. I mean, he, he we got his name and his information, yes. so we could have contacted him back. Yes. But just because I said that, I thought not. You thought you jinxed it? Yeah. The way I jinxed <laughs> the uh, lie. I did. Royals not... goalie the last Correct. time I interviewed the coach and asked him how well the goalies have been playing. <laughs> and then they went on to give up like three or four goals in the second period. That but despite way, that, Jason Binkley still came in. Yeah, still came in and was a great guest it on was. Monday. If you missed it, feel free to uh, go back. And the podcasts are up yes. on the website. Glad you said that. 830weeu.com. Uh, they are on certain podcast platforms as well. I know it is on Spotify. Um, as of yesterday, we were not on Apple as of yet, but keep searching. We are going to be up there sooner rather than later. But if you can't wait, you can go back and listen to anything that's happened this week here on Mornings with Mike up on 830-WEEU. Click on the podcasts and go down to where it says Mornings with Mike. And that's where you'll find all of the podcasts for this week. And they'll be up there forever and we'll be posting them every day i know we are on spotify so you can go back subscribe to it follow it and get those podcasts each and every day and always keep up to date with what we got going on here on mornings with mike all right um we did mention this earlier but i do want to talk a little bit more about it the passing of richard lewis i just want to read for you guys to start here uh, what larry david 
had to say about Richard Lewis, and he tweeted this out yesterday just as the news was breaking. Yeah, Richard and I were born three days apart in the same hospital, and for most of my life, he's been like a brother to me. He had that rare combination of being the funniest person and also the sweetest, but today he made me sob, and for that, I'll never forgive him. <laughs> um, he was obviously heartbroken, but threw in a little uh, jab right. there at the end. And <laughs> very, true Larry da- Davis. very Larry yep. David-like. Yep. And very Richard Lewis-like yeah, true. as well. And if you go down through the Curb Your Enthusiasm, Larry David um, Twitter account up on X, there's just so many different um, homages, so many different pieces of people remembering him and just uh, some great, great things up there if you want to go back and read some of uh, Curb's memories of Larry David, uh, excuse me, of uh, Richard Lewis and his effect on that television show as not just a full-time character, but as a recurring character on the show, which is what he normally did in movies and TV. He did have a starring role alongside Jamie Lee Curtis in a TV show for a little while. But for the most part, he was a guy who popped up. He was like a comedy assassin. He would pop up on a show, usually be hilarious, and then get right out. He was so good at those tiny little parts. And what made him good at it is he was memorable. He wasn't a guy that was in a movie or a television show for 10, 20 minutes, and then you forgot about him forever. He was a part of that, and you remembered him as a part of that. And again, my first real interaction with him on the big screen was Robin Hood Men in Tights, where he played Prince John, where he was just hilarious in that movie. And again, it's a Mel Brooks movie, so the material obviously is going to be pretty funny, but he definitely brought his Richard Lewisness to it, and it just took it to another level. Yeah, it, that's typical of, of, of a Mel Brooks movie is kind of, casting against character if you will and obviously to have somebody like that in a in a Robin Hood style movie yes. is uh, is is exactly kind of personifying that but yeah he he had his kind of shtick yeah. if you will um and he just kind of it was always kind of that same yes. type of character uh, but he's just, you know, again, he was a funny guy. Which really some was. people I think poo-poo cuz you're right. playing the same character yeah. all the time but he took that character right. and there's, was able to fit it. There's meat on that bone. In every situation. Right. right. And there's something to be said that you are so entertaining right. and so intriguing as whoever you are right. that that is good enough to be put in right. this spot, in that spot, or over there. Right. And let's not even get into him as a guest on talk shows where he probably was as good as anyone has ever done. Right. I mean, there's a lot of actors and actresses over the course of the history of Hollywood who hate the idea of being typecast but in some cases just being that character mm-hmm. it, you you start to laugh immediately because the presence of that you, you know where kind of where the character's going you might not know what they're going to say but their presence there you kind of know uh, it, it becomes funny just by their mere presence in that situation and you go down through his IMDB and you really are just amazed at how many things this guy has participated in. And maybe the most wild one, he was in a Limp Biscuit video <laughs> in the year 2000, and he played himself. The video was Break Stuff. Now, I've not watched this video. I'm not, from, I'm not a huge Limp Biscuit historian. Um, but of all the people you think would show up in a Limp Biscuit right. video... Richard Lewis would not be on the list no. of celebrities that I would put uh, <laughs> yeah. as a possibility. Right. Yeah. Somehow or another, my guess would be he must have known somebody within the band and they thought, you know what would be funny? Well, how about if we put you in the video? He was also. I can't imagine it was, you know, 
Essential casting. Yeah. Speaking of typecasting, uh, there was a Hercules TV show that was on for a little while back in 1999, and he appeared in one episode as the voice of the animated character Neurosis. Now, there, that might right. be the most typecasted person in the history of time. Correct. He was also great in The Larry Sanders Show, if you ever went back and watched that on HBO, one of my favorite shows. I love Gary Shanley, another yeah. guy that was lost way too young. Um, so there are just so many things that he was a part of. And again, this is not even taking into account his stand-up comedy and how self-deprecating and neurotic he was in his Mm stand-up comedy. And when I saw that in the 80s, when I was like 10 years old or whatever it was, and I started getting into stand-up and being aware that stand-up comedy was a thing, I had never seen anyone be how he was on stage. Like, normally people want to go up on stage and look cool, calm, and collected. Richard Lewis did not look cool, calm, and collected (laughs) anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. Always, and you know, he kind of always looked the same and, you know, with the dark clothes. And he always had the dark shirt, yes. dark pants, yeah. dark long jacket. Hair. Yep. Yeah, right. Yeah, he had a look and he yep. stayed with yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely correct. Yeah. I, I, I go with the sweatshirt and the right. hat. He goes with yeah. the, he goes with that. But just as funny. It's just as good. Uh, but, you know, uh, RIP Richard Lewis. And uh, I don't know if he's still going to appear in any of the upcoming Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes, but I do know he has one more credit. That is going to be uh, popping up here called the Ogilvy Fortune, where he plays a character by the name of Doc. And that is currently, I guess, in pre-production. So I don't even know if he filmed that. I don't know if he's going to be appearing in that. Uh, but if he does, you'll be able to see him. If not, maybe just catch him here on this season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, where I- I'm told is very, very funny. That's a, that's a show that I should like. And I've tried to watch it. And I would say I would say 80% of the episodes I get through fine. But there are episodes like on The Office... And on Seinfeld, where a, a character will put themselves in such an awkward situation that I can't handle watching it. <laughs> like, I can feel the awkwardness too much that I have to turn it off. Like, there's episodes of The Office. Like, Scott's Tots, which is an episode where Michael Scott goes to visit some uh, uh, kids in an inner-city school and tells them, if, as elementary school kids, if they go on to graduate and get accepted into college, he will buy them, uh, he will pay for their college. Okay. So he tells them that, not thinking it would ever come back to bite him. And then 10 years later, they invite him back to the school and they're expecting him to pay for their college. And he has to explain to them, right. I don't have any money. Right. I can't possibly do this. It was an empty promise. I never meant to do it. And it's just so awkward. I cannot watch it. Really? And I get that Larry David in some situations, he puts himself in these just spots where I feel too icky and I have to turn it off. Like I get sweaty. It's like watching someone stand on a tall building. I can't do that. I get the exact same anxiety from watching that person in that situation. It doesn't happen often, but there's certain episodes of TV where it gets too awkward. I have to just bail. And I find that happens a lot in Curb. So I I like the sensibilities of it. I like a lot of the comedy I watch in it, but there's certain times where I just like, I can't. I just can't. I, it, I can't. It affects your anxiety as well. Yes. It, it puts me on edge to the point where right. I have to turn the channel. It's like I'd rather watch a horror film trailer <laughs> than watch what this person is going to go through in this moment. I, I can't explain it because no. it's fiction. It's, been, yeah. it's not real. It's meant to right. be comedy. It's Absolutely. purposeful. Right. It's supposed I, to make you laugh. It is. And I can't deal with it. <laughs> I can't. And that's my problem with Curb Your Enthusiasm. Seinfeld walks that line perfectly, yeah, I feel like. like right. I never feel awkward or anxious watching Seinfeld. But Office and Curb are the only two shows that have ever made me feel like I can't watch it because it's too awkward. 
It just gives me the heebie-jeebies. I can't explain it. Can't explain you need, it. You need you need to talk to somebody. I do, well, yeah, that's been brought up <laughs> numerous times. That's why you're here. Oh, um, anyways, <laughs> you didn't know now that. Now did you? you tell me that. You, you didn't know that. I need more money. Uh, some other <laughs> entertainment news here of a uh, brighter note. Uh, if you're a fan of Hulu's only Murders in the Building, the uh, Steve, uh, Stephen Ma- Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez show, that's now up to its fourth season, and they keep adding characters and actors and actresses who are just huge names they've already announced that molly shannon eva longoria and also meryl streep will be back for this season she was a big part of season three also joining the cast of season four will be eugene levy so eugene levy i love that all these guys who were big in the comedy scene when i was young have now all kind of had a reunion on this show. And let me tell you, I will tell anyone that Steve Martin and Martin Short are just as funny today as they have ever been. And as there's ever a team, a duo, that you want to see more of, it's these two guys together. I never get tired of Martin Short and Steve Martin together. Yeah, they are guys who have have had a long shelf life of comedy. I mean, some guys just kind of, comedy's a tough thing. You kind of, They kind of burn out. They just kind of lose a little bit of the spark. I've issues in their own life that, you know, things just aren't funny anymore, or whatever yeah. the case may be. Even Seinfeld. I mean, Seinfeld's still always been around, but he got him off. I mean, there's an episode of Seinfeld with George of getting out on a high note, and I think Jerry kind of did the same. From like, a television went standpoint. On a high note. He's still touring and right. doing a lot of stand-up. Correct. From a but, television right. standpoint, but, he's never felt the need to bring it back. Right, and and even even to the point where when the, when the show ended, he, he kind of went, away for a while mm-hmm. and it just kind of came back in small pieces yeah, yeah. right but, so it, i mean it's interesting because some guys just again there's there's a life of you know what it's time it's, it's just time it's time to stop it where it is but yeah steve martin has done so many things for so many years and it's such a wide variety of things i mean if you go back through the movies of steve martin it's a i mean there's a lot of different levels of steve martin's yep. comedy i mean there's just some of the goofy stuff that he just started out with but then there's some other stuff that's a little bit, you know, has a lot more to it. Well, there's some stuff, too, that also is more adult. Right, pointed. and there's times where he was actually the straight man. Yeah. I mean, like trains, tra- trains, planes, and automobiles. Yes. He was the straight man. Well, everyone's that. the straight man well, next yeah. to John Candy. <laughs> um, but, and also, you, you look at what he does, uh, what he did for a while in the 90s. He was doing these family comedies. Correct. And right. doing a lot of Disney yeah. stuff. Like, uh, like the movie Roxanne, which I think is a really funny movie. 100%. I mean, he's, he, he, again, he's... He's almost playing a straight man, but obviously the whole the whole the whole gimmick is is him and it, and it, what he does. But it's very funny. Yeah, I don't know if either of them are technically straight men in uh, Only Murders in the Building, but right. if any of them were going to be, it would be Martin. It would <laughs> right. be Steve Martin because right. Martin Short has that does not have no, that ability. Absolutely correct. He does not have that ability no. to be the straight man. If you haven't watched it yet, they have uh, they they tour together uh, and they go around and do like a variety show together, really? which is really really good. And there's an episode of it on Netflix. And I've watched it about a dozen times, and it never gets old. It's really well done. They jab each other. It's a great show. And I think they're coming back to uh, Wind Creek, if I'm not mistaken, in Bethlehem sometime in the near future. So uh, they tour, and they're still out there getting it done. But, yeah, only murders, adding Eugene Levy, who just had a huge career resurgence when his son created the show that we cannot say the name of that ends in Creek (laughs) because it sounds like a bad word. Right. Even though it's spelled differently, it sounds like a bad word. So we'll call it the Creek. Uh, But ever since then. And it's not a Crick. No, he's had an explosion in a kind of a second renaissance here. But I, I love seeing him and Steve Martin and Martin Short, just the idea of all those people <laughs> together. And I said, nothing has surprised me more 
than the fact that you can have Steve Martin and Martin Short, and the third person in that threesome is Selena Gomez. And it, <laughs> and it works seamlessly. Yeah. If you have not watched Only Murders, you should watch it. It's hilarious. Don't touch that dial. Mornings with Mike is back on 830 WEEU, the voice of Burks and Beyond. All right, we only got a minute here, but I want to let everybody know yesterday, we missed it, was the five-year anniversary of Bryce Harper signing with the Philadelphia Phillies. How about that? We, Remember tracking the plane as it yeah. was flying in Las Vegas? Is, is John Middleton in that plane by himself, or does he have a package with him by the name of Harper? And it was a very exciting time, and it was right after we were told it wasn't happening. <laughs> and then they figured out a way to get it done, and that just changed the whole course. Yes, it did. Of the Philadelphia Phillies. And, and without so many that layers. day, we don't have 2022 or last year. So Absolutely know, correct. Big day in Phillies history. Absolutely was. Thank you, Bryce. <laughs> All right, we got to get on out of here. Bill Saunders and Feedback coming up next. He'll be with you from 9 a.m. until noon. You got the Dan Bondino Show from <clears throat> noon to 3. And then from 3 until about 4.15, the Ramsey Show. And that's when Bob McCool and Rich Garcella will hit you live from the Giant Center in Hershey to bring you the Why I'm Missing Spartans going up against the Lone Catholic Squires in the District 3 4A Girls Championship. Bob McCool, Rich Garcelle on the call, 415. Have a great drive out there, Bobby. Enjoy Chocolate World, and I'll see you tomorrow morning. Let's go Spartans. All right, let's go Spartans. <laughs>